Welcome back. We're in Genesis chapter 15. Let's go. Genesis 15, 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. So after the things written about above, kind of the contrast between the king of Salem, Melchizedek, and the king of Sodom, was reflective and symbolic of Satan and Adam had to decide basically which one to follow and he chose chose to go with Melchizedek king of Salem high priest king of king lord of lords and that's what we want to choose too we want to choose to to honor God to glorify God not to choose the things of this world that just disappear with time it says after those things the word of uh, the lord came to Abram in a vision saying, do not be afraid. This is one of the most powerful and often repeated statements in the entire Bible. This is the first appearance in the Bible. God must have said this because Abram must have been afraid, which so often happens after victory because the devil wants to kick us back down. Do you get that? So Abram was kind of challenged. Is he going to choose on the side of God? And Melchizedek, the king of Salem, or is he going to choose to follow the king of Sodom, which was the symbolic of Satan? And he chose what we just talked about. But right after this, even through that victory, some kind of fear must have set him in him over him. Did I make the wrong choice? Is he going to come after me? What What's going to happen now? Something. God doesn't tell us, but he says, do not be afraid. And I think he wants all of us to hear that right here, right now, because there's something that each of us is probably afraid of. Maybe you're afraid of losing your spouse. Maybe you're afraid of not being a good mom or a good dad. Maybe you're afraid of not climbing the corporate ladder or not climbing it as quickly as you want to or as quickly as your friends are. Maybe you're afraid of having to work too long because you're not saving enough money or you're not making enough money to save. Maybe you're afraid of someone dying or dying early or living too long or whatever the case may be. But all of us are afraid of something. May we give that fear to God because he is the one who can cast out fear. He wants us to be filled with peace and with joy. And that comes through that comes through Christ, that relationship with God, knowing that no matter what happens on this earth, whether it's jail, poverty, infection, cancer, anything like that, broken heart, we're going to make it through because God is on our side and he loves us and he wants us to know that we are we, we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to fear what's going to happen because he's got our back. He says, I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. Notice he says, I am, right? This is the great God statement. God saying, I am. And we can come to him. He wants us to come to him. He wants you to know that he loves you and he wants to be with you forever. He will shield you and he is your exceedingly great reward. Yeah, so you could get rich on this earth. You could get stock options and an IPO or whatever. You could inherit money. You could get, you know, that fancy car you've wanted or the big house and, you know, houses all over the world and whatever. You could retire at the age of 40 and travel around the world. Doesn't matter. God is your exceedingly great reward. The reward that you can get from God exceeds anything that you can get from 
on earth, and I'm not talking like 10% better or 50% better or a 10x better, I'm talking infinity x better than you could get here on earth. He is our great reward. May we live for him in eternal things and storing up treasures for ourselves in heaven, not treasures on earth that we're just going to leave behind. Doesn't matter how rich you are, when you leave, you're going to leave it behind. Maybe you have a trust set up for your kids so your kids have some money. At some point, it's probably going to go away for some of your generation. Usually it takes a couple generations and it's just completely blown through. Sometimes the first generation, if it's massive wealth, it may take two or three or four generations. But at some point, it's almost always gone. And even if it's not, it doesn't matter because you're not around to enjoy that anymore. You're either in heaven where you have way more riches than you had here and no stress, pure joy, pure satisfaction, no depression, no tears, no sadness, none of that. But if you didn't choose God, then you're going to be eternally separated from God and without your money. You're going to have the double whammy of, of everything. So let's focus on what God is offering and know that he says, do not be afraid. He doesn't want us to be afraid. Verse two, but Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me? Saying, I go childless and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. So Abram says, all right, so you're giving me this huge reward, but what will you give me? Because you already told me that I'm going to have all these descendants, right? I'm going to be the father of many nations, but I'm childless. I don't have a single child, God. And that was that's devastating to him. It's dishonoring. It's sad. And he just frankly doesn't get it. He's like, I don't have a kid. How, how are we going to do this? And he's questioning. And he's showing that fear. Right after God said, do not be afraid. And he's like, I'm fearful. You know, that's one way to kind of look at it is, is fearful of saying, well, right? I, I don't know how I'm going to have descendants. It's kind of that worry. And the heir of his house, because he had no children back then, if you were childless, your, your servant in your house or your highest, um, on a hierarchy of servants, if you had multiple of them, the highest of the servants would inherit your estate and become your heir. And verse three then says, then Abram said, look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, indeed, one born in my house is my heir. That's the one we just talked about, Eliezer. Verse four, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, so they're having this conversation, right? The Lord came to Abram this time in a vision. Abram responds back to the Lord. Now the Lord is volleying back and talking to him again. And God says, this one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Who is this? So he's saying that servant is not going to be your heir. You are literally going to have a biological heir. Now, as we'll soon find out, Abram tried to rush the process and he ended up having a child with his maidservant, Hagar, and that child was Ishmael. And through the line of Ishmael is where the nation of Islam comes from. Later, God gave him a child with Sarai. Sarai, his wife, later changed her name to Sarah. And they had Isaac. And that's the nation that Jesus, uh, of the lineage through which Jesus came. And so he's saying, you're, you're going to get a child. You just have to be patient. Don't fear. And it says it will come from your own body. She'll be your heir, right? Between a woman and a man. They're going to use that. God's going to use that to create lineage and people groups and nations and through which that line would come the Messiah. 
And then verse 5, it says, Then he brought him outside and said, So God brings Abram outside and says, quote, Look now toward heaven, and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. So we were counting sand earlier, now we're counting stars. The point is there's lots of them. You can look up, you can't all see, see all the stars with your naked eye, but you can see a lot, probably more than you can count by the time that they move. And there's way more than that that we can't even see. We have to have incredible telescopes and satellites and everything to see, and then beyond that even, right? So what he's saying is there's a lot of you that are going to come. You just need to not be afraid, and you need to trust me. And that's something I have to hear constantly from God because I can look in the future and have that worry and that anxiety, which is just a fancy word for fear. And he wants me to trust him, and he wants you the same. He wants you to not be afraid of the future. Not be afraid of something coming back to haunt you from your past. He wants you to trust him. But that timetable of his is different, right? So we live in the microwave society. In America, we want everything now. We want it quick. We've got drive-thrus. We've got microwaves. We've got pantries full of food. Freezers for food on hand. We don't have to go out and uh, kill an animal or pick the vegetable in the garden and come in and clean it and do all that stuff. It's just there, right? So we're used to this. I want it here. I want it now. And that's hard because God wants to teach us, teach us patience. And we, we've learned to become impatient people. If we want something, we just order on Amazon. It's there within two days, sometimes the next day, sometimes this very same day. So we're growing very impatient as a society when God wants us to not be afraid and trust him. I'm not saying those things are bad. drive throughs aren't bad. Pantries aren't bad. <laughs> Amazon uh, getting something the same day or whatever is not bad, but it's what it does to our mental state and our expectations in relation to the heavenly things. And... Verse 6 says, And he believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to him for righteousness. This is one of the most important verses of the entire Bible for us to understand. So it says, And he believed, that's Abram, so I'll, I'll phrase it this way, And Abram believed in the Lord, and the Lord accounted it to Abram for righteousness. Do you catch that? It's something so quick and so subtle, you may just roll past it, if you're reading Genesis, like, ah, oh, this is boring. I'm ready to get to the good stuff, the new stuff, post-Jesus. But check this out. He believed in the Lord, and he accounted to him for righteousness. What did he account to him? He credited his account, right? He just became infinitely wealthy and heir to the throne. Why did God do this for him? Because it says, Abram believed. You see that word, believe? Did it say, Abram did all these works? No, he believed. Did it say, Abram was so perfect? Nope, it said he believed. We already know that he's not perfect. We already know that he lied about calling, telling people that his wife was his half-sister, which was a half-truth, which is a whole lie. So it's not based on works. It's not Islam. It's not based on works. It's not Mormonism. It's not based on works. It's not Catholicism. It's not based on reincarnation. It's not based on... Uh, pretty much every other religion out there that is based on some type of works. It says he believed. He believed in the Lord and he accounted it to him for righteousness. That is the gospel summed up, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. It is a gift of, for by grace you are saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God and not of works, lest anyone should boast. 
It is not Jesus plus works. It is not works. It is Jesus alone. It is belief in Jesus. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from, this, from the grave, you will be saved. Abram was not saved because of his works. He was saved because of his belief. Yet Judaism today focuses on all these rules. They try to keep the commandments, the, you know, the two big ones, love God and love others. And then the big ten, you know, the no other gods, no idols, etc. And then they actually, through Exodus, Leviticus, etc., they've got the Pentateuch, they've got these other ones that they've piled on top of this. There's, I don't know the exact number, but I believe it's over 600 rules and laws that they try to keep and particularly on the sabbath and it's not by works though and that's that's a regime that weighs people down it's a burden it's like carrying around a hundred pound rucksack a hundred pound you know of weights in a backpack that you just carry all over every day eventually you're probably just going to get tired of it you may want people to look at you and be like, whoa, that guy's strong. Look at what he's doing. That's what so many people want with their religion. They're like, look at me. Look how good I am. But eventually, you're probably going to want to put down that 100-pound backpack and just say, that thing's exhausting. I'm tired. And then you feel better without it. That's Christianity. That's the relationship with Jesus. He doesn't, he says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see, you can't earn your way to heaven at all, Period. It's based on his work, not your works. It's based on his work on the cross. If you add anything to Jesus, then what you're saying is something simple. You're saying what Jesus did on the cross was inadequate. He was an inadequate substitute to atone for my sins. He's either fully adequate or he's completely inadequate. There's no in-between. And that's what we learn right here in Genesis. A verse you probably read before, you probably skipped over, um, like I did until I really understood it. Abram, father of the uh, Jewish people, father of many nations, is saved because of his belief, not because of his works. Lord, help us to understand that there's nothing that we can do to earn your love. You love us. You died on the cross. Neither that's wholly adequate to atone for our sins or it's completely inadequate. If we accept your work on the cross, then you will credit it to us for righteousness. You will consider us to be holy. Even though we're not holy in ourselves and we're not righteous, we are declared righteous by you because you see your son Jesus when you look at us. Because of that salvation, because of the new that is born and the old that is gone, the rebirth, the re being reborn, we will want to live for you. We will want to do wonderful works for you, not because we have to, but because we want to and we get to, Lord. Help us to understand this and go out and love you today. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to Daily Verse by Verse. We want you to be prepared in season and out of season to study the whole counsel of God so that you can share with people who Jesus is through your actions so that you have the right to tell them who Jesus is so that they can come to know Jesus or come to know Jesus better. We strongly encourage you to share this message this podcast on your social media, Facebook, Instagram, message, email someone who you think could benefit from it. It's an easy way for you to go out and witness to the world just by sharing this podcast. We hope you'll join us tomorrow. Have a wonderful day.